Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy and romance and all of the sensual places they overlap. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mmm. So yummy. I am out on the east side of the house this morning because I washed my hair momentous occasion on this Thursday, October 1st. October 1st. My mom sent me a happy, happy October first thing this morning. She's counting down the days for 2020 to be over. I'm looking here at some broken eggshells on the ground. I wonder what nest they were from. I think the quail nest here in this sort of clump of yucca that might have been from them. So yes, I threw you out an extra adjective today for those of you paying attention. Just because I am in the midst, of course, of writing Long Night of the Crystalline Moon. And let me tell you guys, my protagonist Ryan in this story. <laughs> Seldom do I have the male characters take over a story. And you all... Any of you who've been listening to me for any length of time, you know that it annoys the hell out of me when the male characters take over a story. But, oh, that might be a little hot here. Sounds really intense. Sometimes they do it anyway. And Ryan, who is the son of Rafe and Andy, for those of you who have followed the Twelve Kingdoms Uncharted Realms books. He is a young, insouciant, and much more carefree version of Rafe. He is Rafe without the strife, which is why he is Rye. <laughs> I don't know if you guys get that joke, but it certainly makes sense. I had to relocate over to the south side here where there's a little bit of a breeze. So, um, Ryan, it's, I'm spelling out R-H-Y-I-A-N, and they call him Ryan. You guys, he is smoldering. Um, in some ways, he's like Zir, but without the playfulness, and also without some of the, uh, the character. Ryan is young. He doesn't have, um, hasn't been through the crucible yet, but we will take care of that. But, um... Boy, the sexual tension in this story is off the charts, which I had not expected. Um, I knew that there would be some, but uh, I am just kind of with my heroine in that she uh, is really having a very hard time resisting him against her better judgment. And she's a rational kind of gal, and she's still really having a hard time. So the story is surprisingly sensual, especially since... Uh, it won't be, um, well, we don't want to spoil it, but it's it's not going to be closed door exactly, but there's, uh, well, enough said. You know what I am dancing around not saying. But, yeah, so, right, having a great time writing this story. I've, um, 
I've hit midpoint on it. So about halfway through. I, it may be a little bit longer. I was modeling it on 26,000 words. We'll see what I end up cutting when I go back on a revision. But I'm suspecting it's going to come out around 28 or 29. And I'm at something like 13 or 14,000 words on it right now. So a few more days and we'll get that done. Um, I do have some exciting news on other fronts that the Fiery Crown has gone into a second printing. It's very exciting news for an author. That's actually the first time that any of my books have gone into a second printing. Um, not counting moving them to POD, <laughs> to print on demand, which um, is more ignominious. Second printing means that there's enough demand for them to print more, right? And I'm to take this with a grain of salt because the first printing was small, apparently. Because the book came out in May, which means they were printing copies right at the onslaught of the COVID lockdowns. And it was when they were all scrambling for printing press room. And nobody knew how things were going to play out. So they did a smaller print run. But, you know, in-store traffic is still way down, obviously, because we're still <laughs> in the middle of the pandemic because we have an incompetent White House and Senate, just saying. <laughs> and, and yet there's demand for more book two, Forgot Fiery Crown. So I was really excited to hear that. Uh, news on the publishing front is that uh, editor Jenny is super excited to see Dark Wizard. So I am now uh, going to be doing some work on that as soon as I finish this novella. Uh, Agent Sarah is reading Dark Wizard. The beta readers are reading Dark Wizard. Bestie Grace is reading Dark Wizard, although she's reading it for fun. And... Everybody's supposed to have me. I'm meeting with beta readers Saturday for input. And then I will, next week, once I finish Long Night, I'll be able to do any tightening up on Dark Wizard that we need so we can give it to Jenny. So everyone cross fingers that uh, St. Martin's will give me a whole bunch of money to. <laughs> uh, buy Dark Wizard from me. And normally I would give, if I were giving me advice, if I were not me, <laughs> and I would say, you know, part of why we're giving it to St. Martin's book first is because it's the option book. So, you know, when you sign a contract, you sign, it's almost just always included in that contract that they have an option to see the next book in the genre that you write. And we would probably give St. Martin's and Jenny the courtesy anyway, because we love them. One of the things that authors don't always realize with the option books is that they don't have to take that offer. You can always say no, and you can always go wide. And I've had author friends where I've told them, 
that I really thought that they should go wide. And very often what will happen is some agents will, you know, get the offer on the option book and they'll say, oh, let's take it because, you know, it's cash in hand and the agent doesn't have to do more work. And not all agents are like this, but some are, unfortunately. And a lot of times, you know, it's, it's always this negotiating deal. If you go wide, maybe you won't get a better offer. And then maybe you can't take the one that you had in hand. It's, it's all a gamble. I have powerful incentive to stay with St. Martin's just because they have been so incredibly awesome to work with. They were one of my dream publishers. I wanted to work with them for a long time. And I would very happily work with them again. But, you know, it's also business and, and money makes a difference. So, you know, got to keep paying that mortgage. Buy the groceries, all of those things. Hire someone to clean my house. <laughs> I think it's funny because I posted to Facebook the other day and Twitter. And it was one of those things where I posted it kind of idly and got this big response. But I posted, you know, was, was it wrong that I wanted to hire someone to clean my house just because they do a better job of dusting than I did? And I got so many people weighing in on the pleasure of having someone clean your house. And for me, it had been kind of a toss-off comment because, I'll say, here's my history with this. It, you know, used to be that I worked full-time and I traveled a lot for the day job and I was trying to write. And this is back when we lived in Wyoming and we had a big house. We had a house probably twice the size of the one we have now. I miss that house. It was beautiful arts and crafts, 1913 house. Uh, but... <laughs> so much storage space. I miss my storage space, which is kind of sad and pitiful, I realize. But there we are. Um, I don't miss living in Wyoming. And and this house is very beautiful here. So we, um, I just have nostalgia for that house and for my storage space. <laughs> the, there was an upstairs room that was sort of the converted attic. And that was my... It was a guest room, but also my office space, and I had two desks, one for my day job and one for writing, and I had a space for my sewing machine, and I had all kinds of bookshelves, <laughs> and then there were spaces on either side of the attic where the ceiling was like too low for it to be a real room, and they'd sort of just put in drywall on either side and little doors, and I had so much storage space all the way around and you could walk in and get it. It was just, it was wonderful. So anyway, I had someone come in, was it once a week, every two weeks? I don't remember. I think it must have been every two weeks. And she would come in and clean. And that was wonderful. I really did love having someone clean my house. Uh, with her, it was... So here was the back and forth. Gruden and I really didn't love having someone come into our house, even though she was someone we knew. She was the mother of one of our step, my stepdaughter's friends, and we'd known her for a very long time, and she was a very nice gal. But in some ways, it was more problematic that she was a friend, because in those days, I was still writing in the morning, 
but I would write in the morning and then switch over to the day job. And I would start writing, I don't know, I don't remember at that point in time, like seven or eight in the morning. It would be like we would get up and exercise and then I would start writing and I would write for a couple of hours and switch over to the day job sometime around nine or ten and David would go to work and he would leave and and I really needed that quiet to concentrate and this girl was forever calling or texting to ask if she could come earlier and I wanted her to come after I'd switched to the day job so I could have that quiet and she always I mean, like every single time she would ask, oh, would it be okay if it came, if she came earlier? Because she wanted to get that done so she could go on with other stuff in her day. And I often felt like I could not say no. I felt like it was scroogey of me to say no. And sometimes I did say no and she would be irritated with me. So maybe that's a problem with like the personal relationship thing. She also... Um, would just race through cleaning and the original deal had been I think I paid her to come once a week that she would you know like do a basic cleaning of the house and then uh, an intensive something intensive each week but the intensive didn't always happen and, and it happened less so as time went on and yet I still loved having her clean my house uh, that was such a great thing. So when we moved to Santa Fe, um, David took early retirement, and so he took a drop in income and went back to school, so he took on student loans. And I was still working the day job and writing at the same time. And we had made money on our house, which was great, but we hadn't made as much as we had hoped to. It was good because we were at, during that housing crunch you know at 2009 you know really at the bottom of the market so we bought at the bottom of the market and fortunately our house in Wyoming was really a choice one and people wanted it so but I was very aware of having to be careful of finances going forward that you know our circumstances had changed and this house is like I said half the size of one I had before so I thought well and also, we didn't know anyone here. And I thought, okay, I can just take over cleaning the house myself. And it really doesn't take me that long. I clean it every two weeks, every other week. And it takes me two to three hours to do. It's not so bad. And actually, that's not the problem. Um, the problem is, is the intensive cleaning. And that's why I posted that line about, was would it be wrong to hire someone who would simply do a better job of dusting? Because it's those the deep corners it's you know you guys know it's the baseboards it's you know we have these beautiful vegas in the ceilings and they get dust and cobwebs up in them so it was very interesting that there were some people who said that they had someone come in once a month to do an intensive cleaning and i'm starting to think that maybe that's something i want to pay for um after all i pay to have my nails done every other week right <laughs> And I did invest in the Roomba, and part of David's rationalization there was that, you know, even though that was expensive, that I wasn't paying someone to clean the house. But, you know, the one thing about the Roomba is, you know, it's great, but it does not get those corners, you know, and dust builds up behind and under furniture. 
And probably I have to pull furniture out, move it, and let the Roomba get in behind there, but I haven't been. So, this is all ruminating on house cleaning stuff. And, you know, a lot of women chimed in, and, and a few guys too, you know, about the division of labor. And, you know, the thing is, is with David and I, you know, he does all of the meal planning, grocery shopping, and cooking. And that's a huge thing for me. And he does general picking up and so forth. But, you know, he's just not a cleaner. And I gave up all... I, I never actually tried. You know, sometimes he would help me clean the house. But I, I'm a big believer in that people should be responsible for the things that they really care about. And if you try to get somebody to do something that they don't care about, it just makes you both miserable. And also they don't see it. You know, it's like... the. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a certain kind of blindness you know you have to see the dirt before you can want to clean it up I think so but then of course we're in the middle of COVID too and a lot of people were talking about how they had to give up their house cleaner uh, because of the lockdown and so forth and people who said that they had someone coming in still, I was asking them about their social distancing measures. And it was interesting to hear what people said. Um, one suggestion was to make that be errand day and just put on their, you know, let them in, everybody has their masks on, and then you leave and come back a couple hours later. My mom has someone come in and clean her house who did not come for a while, and now she's coming again. And I think that they um, shut themselves up in one room and stay away from her. And that was what a couple of people said that they did, that they would just stay in one room and, you know, shout hellos and goodbyes through the door and not worry about getting that one room cleaned. Those are the National Guard helicopters going by. A lovely sight on a clear blue morning. We have a National Guard base up here in Santa Fe, not far, so they go out and do their drills and so forth. So, let's see, do I have anything else to talk about? I don't know. I have nothing springing to mind, so I think I'm going to go get busy. I really would love to try to get at least this draft of Long Night of the Crystal and Moon finished before I go and do any tweaking on Dark Wizard. But I'm also kind of hopeful that there won't be much tweaking on Dark Wizard at this point. We shall see. I know there are things I want to change on that book, but some of that would be fairly comprehensive layering, and I don't know if we want to do that before we go on submission. It'll be interesting to hear what Sarah says. I think she's having one of her interns read too, so that'll be interesting to hear. All right, I am going to get to it. First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.